Amen. All right. I, I've only got um, maybe about the most 20 minutes. And then we got to receive the offering and, and make the announcements for the week. So I'm going to really move quickly in this here. Are you going to listen quickly? Yes. <clears throat> okay. Okay. I want to tell you a little history story first to set this up. And I'm going to move fast once I get into the body of the message. Um, most people, even if you're not a history student, would remember an event that took place um, during the Civil War. I believe it was in 1863 when Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. How many of you know what the Emancipation Proclamation is all about? Okay. Um, how many of you realize that it was real in Washington, but down south, even years later, the plantation owners hid the truth from those slaves that were on their plantations. It took years before the news got to them. Of course, there's no social media. There's, there was very little communication. And literally, at this point, after, after President Lincoln was assassinated, uh, President Grant came on the scene. He literally had to send troops down south to enforce the Emancipation Proclamation because these plantation owners, as greedy as they were, did not want to lose their labor force. And so think about this. Even though the proclamation was made, for the next few years, there were people that were still living in bondage. And the enemy has done the same thing to Christians. That Bible that you hold is your Emancipation Proclamation. Amen. But the enemy has done a really great job in hiding those truths. And many people, even though they're going to heaven, their spirits are born again. They belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been cleansed by the blood. But they still live in bondage on the earth because they don't know what has already been proclaimed over their lives by the Lord Jesus Christ and by our Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. So very quickly, I want to jump to five things that God wants us to know. This is a simple message. I kept it purposely that way. Um, the truth of the matter is that freedom cannot fully be accomplished without the presence of God and without knowledge of the word. And the true knowledge of our Heavenly Father and deep understanding of what it means to be a child of God are essential keys to overcoming the shackles of, of, of bondage, of slavery of fear, of anxiety. Pastor Pam shared about her experience briefly, briefly this morning. And one of these days, you need to really give your full testimony. You need to, because there's, a whole, there's hundreds and hundreds of people here that are new that have never heard that testimony. And I'm sure there's people here that are dealing with those kind of things right now. So the enemy seeks to hide these truths, just like those plantation owners desperately tried to keep people in bondage for their own purposes. The enemy very desperately tries to keep people in bondage for his own purpose until we come to the fullness of the knowledge of the truth. Amen? Amen. Yes. Now, five things. Let me just jump right to it. Number one, and these are not in the order of importance. It's just the order of how they popped up in my head. In my head. I could say it that way. And these are five truths that God wants you to get deep down inside today. So that when the lies of the enemy come, you have truth to measure it by and go, no, 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 no. This is what the word says. What you're telling me is not true. 
And I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been born again. I don't care if you live in church 24-7. Every one of us is subject to the lies of the enemy. Amen. And, but if we don't know the truth, you can fall for it. Exactly what happened to Eve. She did not have a true grasp on the truth. And therefore, when the enemy came to lie to her, she floundered. I'm told this. I don't know. I don't have the experience. And I would imagine it's very much the same today as I heard about this years ago. When they print new currency, when they print currency, when they, when they train people to recognize counterfeits, they don't study the counterfeits. They study the real thing. Because counterfeits are being produced all the, all the time, different counterfeits. They train people to recognize the real, the genuine $100 bill, $20 bill, $50 bill, whatever it is, so that you will recognize them. You, your, your, your mind is sensitive to the little difference, even if it's a little innuendo. It's a little bit, just a little bit off here and there. You'll recognize it. We don't study counterfeits. Some of the most confused individuals that's ever come, I've ever come across is people that made it their business to study every major religion. Like it's a, a buffet. But what I have seen is this. A person who is seeking, really seeking truth, the Holy Spirit will lead them into all truth. Amen. Number one. Number one truth that God wants us to get deep down inside. I will strengthen you. How many of you have discovered that life on earth can be a struggle? Anybody in this room? Or we all had just a really easy time of it? Every day, you and I are facing one challenge or another. We know that. And the other, we would love for us to continue to think in that we're disconnected from God. We're on our own. I have to dig in, my, get, get down there and get my own strength and pop. No, no. Philippians 4.13, you're probably going to realize I'm going to be covering very basic scriptures today. Because every once in a while, we need to stir ourselves up in truth. Amen. Philippians 4.13, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version of the Bible, the Amplified Translation. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am, oh, I love this part. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. Now, now here, listen to this part. I am self-sufficient. Most of us would stop there. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He will strengthen us. He knows what we're going through. He knows the planet that we live on right now. He knows the society we live in, the culture we live in right now. He knows how difficult it is to just navigate through everyday life. And his strength is available to us. He literally has built a reservoir on the inside of us. Amen. Jesus called it living water. The presence of the Holy Spirit that we can rely on whenever we come in contact or come an encounter uh, adversity in life that we don't know what to do with. We rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? So number one is I'll strengthen you. Number two, I will provide for you because why is this important? Why is it important for us to get this deep down inside? Because we spend most of our time preoccupied with needs. That's the number one thing that gets us distracted in life. God first revealed himself as a creator, but secondly, as a provider. Remember that. He revealed himself Primarily, first as creator. In the beginning, God created. And later on in that chapter, it tells us that God provided a garden for the man and for the woman. Amen? And in that garden, he provided everything that was needed. 
So God set that precedent that he'll always provide the things that we need for life. Do you ever take into consideration that God didn't wait for man to be created and then created the garden? He created the garden first, put everything that was going to be needed in there, and then created Adam. Adam never, never for one second needed to be concerned about what am I going to eat, what am I going to wear, what am I going to drink, where am I going to live, what am I going to drive, where am I going to work, who am I going to marry? Everything provided. And what do we spend all our time being distracted by? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to work? What am I going to drive? Who am I going to marry? Do you notice that? But he's provided for all that. Why? We're talking about now for, for his children. Okay, now we know he generally provides for the whole world. But then there's provision for his children, those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think God would want us to have a very, uh, a, a very strong grasp on this truth? Is because if we spend our lives constantly worrying, anxious about what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, what am I going to live, what am I going to drive, where am I going to work, who am I going to marry, are you going to have any energy left to try to tell somebody else about the goodness of God? who's already provided for them for whatever they're going to eat, for whatever they're going to live, or whatever they're going to drink, whatever they're going to... That's good. You and I need to be free of these concerns. Amen. He's already promised these things. And then in, 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 when Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he says, and, and God's already said yes and amen to all these promises yeah. through Christ. Yes. If you are in Christ, if you belong to Christ, if you have received him, if you have declared your faith in him, if you are trusting and relying on him, you don't have anything to worry about. Amen. Just pick the color. Amen. Just pick the place. Choose from the menu. Just, just don't let that be the thing that runs your life. Just commit yourself to him. And then go and do what God called us to do. Take the energy and the faith. That's how I got out of one of the worst businesses I ever involved myself in. I had a dream of going into the restaurant business. Anybody else ever been in a restaurant business? You should be committed as soon as that dream comes. They should have a special institution just for people who want to go in the restaurant business. And it got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore. And that lasted for years before my sentence was over. And I would literally go to my restaurant five, six o'clock in the morning when nobody, none of the employees were there. And I would throw myself on the carpet in the dining room. And I would say, God, please get me out of here. It's taken me every ounce of faith to get out of bed in the morning and come to work. Anybody ever been in a position like that? It's like, Lord, I have no faith for anything else. I'm having to use all of my energy, all of my strength, all of my wisdom, all of my understanding just to make it through the day here. And we still don't have it. I'm still losing my house. I'm still losing. I'm still facing bankruptcy. You talk about putting salt in a wound. Get me out of here, Lord. I, I had to have been created for more than this. That he doesn't want, he wants us to know. Get it deep in your heart. You might not be in the most satisfactory job right now, whatever it is, but don't make that the center of your life. Don't get distracted by needs. He's got them already covered. Amen? Amen? So number one, I'll strengthen you. Number two, I'll provide for you. Is this helping anybody today? Number three, 
I will be with you. This one's really important because we just came out of a couple of years of isolation. Enemy's smart, man. Got to give him one thing, man. He, he, he's calculated. He knows how to do, he knows how to get people to move on his behalf. And there's still people that are afraid to come out of their houses. If you have them in your life, pray for them. Because that's not God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. The enemy did a great job of isolating people. I'll never forget. Just that wasn't that long ago. My wife and I were in an elevator, some hospital someplace. And I saw the look on their face when the person, when the doors opened, that they knew they had to share an elevator with somebody. I was like, <laughs> that mentality is still there to a degree. Yes. But he needs us to know that he's with us. Amen. He's with us. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. I love this. I love this. I love this word just for specific, one specific word that's in there. Fear not. Why don't you read this with me? The, 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 the yellow part. Ready? The one's highlighted. Ready? One, two, three. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Then he goes on to say, I'll strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, now in Old Testament um, symbolism, the righteous right hand is a person. Jesus is the right hand of God. So he's saying, in effect, fear not, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I want to come back to that word dismayed. For I am your God. I am your God. If he's your God, then he's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you. And he's going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, Jesus in your life, he's going to uphold you. The Holy Ghost that comes into our lives because Jesus sacrifice himself on the cross is in us and God by his spirit will uphold us uphold now that word dismayed is an interesting word every time I come across that word in the Old Testament I always like to camp out on that dismayed can be described better with a picture than it can with uh, just other words dismayed means you're falling apart at the joints did you ever did you ever get news that hit you so hard that your knees couldn't hold you up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's dismayed. In other words, don't fall to pieces. Fear not, for I'm with you. Do not fall to pieces, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you by the power of the Holy Spirit that's placed inside you. And the real truth about it is you are not alone. The enemy would love for you to think God has abandoned you. But God has said over and over again, I will never leave you or forsake you. His Holy Spirit lives in us and will always, he's always willing to speak to us, always willing to direct us, always willing to guide us. I was telling my wife, I didn't want to wake her up. A couple of nights ago, I had such a bad, horrible, lightning bolt, burning pain in my left foot. I can't sleep. I get up and I start praying. I'm like, I don't know what to do. What am I going to wake her up for? What is she going to do? You know? And it was just, it was coming at intervals. Like it would hit and then a minute would go by and would hit, and the pain was so bad I want to scream. You ever get the pain so bad you got to bite your hand? Especially if you're Italian, you know that. 
And I said, finally, I was like, Holy Spirit, you know what's going on here. Please, show me what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't think this is like a Tylenol thing. A Tylenol is not going to. The burning, burning, burning sensation, pain. So all of a sudden, I get this picture in my head of going to get a washcloth, putting it under really hot water, and applying to that, to that area. And guess what? It worked. It worked. Just simple. Simple. And Jesus has told us, that the Holy Spirit's here to teach you. The Holy Spirit's here to lead you and guide you into all truth. Okay? Um, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Yet, 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 in the past, I would, I would just lay there and suffer. You know, I would pray for healing. But when it wouldn't come, I'd go, oh, I guess, I don't know, maybe my faith's not there today or whatever it is. Simple thing. Simple thing. Many of you have heard me, me tell the story many years ago. I had this old work van. This is when we we're in the middle of our personal depression. Okay, uh, when we were in bankruptcy, lost everything, I had this broken down work van that I had to drive around. I had to drive around, I had no choice, I had nothing else. And sometimes it wouldn't start in the morning. And I would do what most guys do. I mean, guys that know how a car operates. I would take a step of faith and open the hood. Because <laughs> I'm going to act like a guy who knows... And I always tell the famous story about after we first got married, when we first got married, uh, we lived in the neighborhood back here, and uh, I decided I was going to change the oil in the car. I cook. I don't know anything about cars. So I came inside, and I said to my wife, is the oil supposed to be red? She said to me, you dummy, you took the transmission fluid out of the car. I wasn't saved at the time, so the Holy Spirit couldn't really show me. I wouldn't have even thought to ask God. At that time, God was somebody on the altar in the Catholic Church. I didn't, you know, he doesn't come out of church. Um, so I'm, I pick up the hood, and again, we're talking about we're not alone, we're not abandoned. He will help us, He will strengthen us, He'll show us things, okay? We're supposed to expect this from the Holy Spirit, Amen. not just when we get goosebumps during worship, okay? We're supposed to expect. The Holy Spirit is the most practical. He's the most practical friend you can have. He's the guy with all the tools. He's the guy that you call. I got to fix this. And so I open the hood, and I'm looking, and I I don't know. I don't even know what I'm looking at. (laughs) All I know is I get in the car, turn the key, the the car runs. And all of a sudden, I realize there's a wire that's loose. Like, I don't think that's supposed to be like that. It's like, you just get something where you're just focusing on it. Okay, and I, okay, well, that looks like that's supposed to plug in there. Get in the car. It starts. Works for me. But most of the time, when we're facing challenges, the first thing that the enemy whispers to us is, you're on your own here. And the next thing is, nobody else has ever gone through what you're going through. So in case we weren't depressed enough, now we feel like a total victim Nobody else in the world has to deal with the problems you deal with. And that's when we start going, (laughs) yeah. I will strengthen you. What was the next one? I will provide for you. I will be with you. You are not alone. Would you turn to somebody and say that, please? Turn to somebody on this side in case they were on the end aisle. You're not alone. Isn't that refreshing, though? Think about it. We're not alone. 
He's, oh, even if you're alone physically, you're not alone. And you're with the best friend you could possibly be because he's never going to turn on you, betray you, give you wrong wisdom, criticize you. None of these. He's the best, best, best friend. And if you don't know him that well yet, I pray that you get to. Number four, I'll always love you. Could you imagine what Adam must have felt like as he and Eve had to walk away from the garden? Have you ever had that kind of unbearable sense that you crossed the line? Come on. Like, man, you really blew it this time. You really went too far this time. There's no road back this time. I don't know about you, but have you ever been plagued with that question? How could God love me after I just... You fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. I really honestly don't think about... I don't think that it's a total coincidence that the Holy Spirit chose Paul to to declare God's promise to always love us. Um, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back to that thought. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. Paul writes this. Paul. Say that with me. Paul. 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 You remember Paul? Paul, the one who said, I'm the chief of all sinners? Paul wrote this. For I am convinced. Now, let's stop there for a minute. What does it take for somebody to become convinced? Now, there's some people that are just gullible. They just, you tell them anything. Oh, you know... Uh, I bought the Brooklyn Bridge. Would you like to rent it for a party? <laughs> oh, okay. How much do you want? And do you have such and such data available? There's some people that are extremely gullible. Okay, but for, for the most part, most of us require evidence. We require experience. We require facts before we could say, I am convinced. I don't think Paul came to this conclusion overnight. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, next verse, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. In other words, doesn't matter, no other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yet there's people, Christians, people who have received Christ as Lord and Savior, but did not grasp this truth that walk around feeling condemned, feeling forsaken, because they don't understand and haven't come to terms with and grasped the reality of the committed, unconditional love of God. Let me ask you this question to ponder, okay? And then I want to go back to talking about Paul. Have you ever gotten to the place where you really deep down inside, you'd never say it, but deep down inside come to the point to say, I know he loves Bill, but I don't know if he can love me. I know he loves Rick, both Ricks. 
but I don't know if he can love me. And the reason we say those things and we can fall for that is because we don't really, and I'm not making accusations here, we really don't know what's in Bill's heart. We really don't know what Rick's experience has been, both of them. Diane, you're like in the middle of the bookends here. We got a Diane in between two Ricks. So because we don't really know what's inside of the individual and what their experience and what they've been through, it's easy for us to assume that everybody else is better than us. The truth of the matter is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. You listening? Yes. All have sinned. So the only way we can come to terms with that in order to defend ourselves against those lies is to truly, fully understand how much he loves us. Now, don't mix up how much he loves us and, well, because he loves me so much, I could do anything I want to do. No, that doesn't fly. That's not the way it works. In fact, I think it's because when we grasp the reality of how much he loves us, that becomes a deterrent to us falling back into conduct that we know displeases him. Are you getting it? But think about Paul. Think about Paul. Now, forget about Paul. Think about Saul. Because you know he was Saul before he was Paul, right? Saul, the persecutor of the church. The first one, he's got that honor attached to his name. Well, not honor, but what do you call it? Infamy? Attached to his name? The very first individual recorded for us in history who persecuted the church. Now, there were plenty that followed him. Think about all the Roman emperors. Think about all the, even the local uh, officials across the Roman Empire that began to persecute. But he's the first one. Now, now watch this now. Imagine the remorse. Imagine the guilt. Imagine the condemnation that the Apostle Paul had to deal with. Recognizing this. Paul was the scholar of his day. Saul knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And yet, look at how he turned out persecuting the church, dragging families into prison. They send him, he did such a good job in Jerusalem that they send him to Damascus to try to clean out the nest of believers up there. And then he encounters Jesus, encounters the love of God, has a major encounter with the Holy Spirit. And you know, when, when the Holy Spirit comes into our being, According to Romans chapter 5, the love of God came in. And so when he received, when he acknowledged Jesus as Savior, and the scales fell off his eyes when that man Ananias came to lay hands on him and called him Brother Saul, and the scales fall off, and he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now he's not only got the Holy Ghost inside, he's got the Holy Ghost on him. And now he's face to face with the love of God revealed to him through the one he wants to persecute. Could you imagine what he dealt with the rest of his life? And that's why he can come to the point where the time is for him to write this letter to the Romans. I am convinced. Convinced why? Because for years, for, don't forget, he spent a minimum, depending on which Bible scholars you read after, a minimum of three years by himself in the desert. Some commentators say it could have been as much as 13 years. He spends three years in the desert talking with the one he wanted to persecute and wipe out. And that's why you'll hear in the letters that Paul wrote, 
for I received from the Lord that which I give unto you. That kind of love transforms you. But you want to know what the sad thing is? We all and every one of us who are believers have that love already deposited in our heart. And yet we don't realize it. And then we try to hold ourselves to a standard that even he is not holding us to. And that's pride-based. We don't want to be able to say, look at me. I got my act together. I used to be this. Now I'm this. And it was all me. No, it wasn't all you. All you did was say yes. And then he went, bam, and brings transformation. Are you listening? So I'll strengthen you. I will provide for you. I will be with you. I will always love you. Number five, do we need this right now? Man, I will give you rest. We live in a time right now where it's like, wait a minute, wasn't it Christmas yesterday? Our lives are so busy. I cannot believe it. I feel like it was just yesterday that I was standing here last week. The time goes by so fast. So fast. And we know, in fact, and don't ask me to prove it because I can't, but I listen to people who know better than I do or know more than I do. Time is accelerating. Time is accelerating. It's something, I don't know, when we get to heaven, if Albert Einstein's there, we can ask him. He probably is, because he did come to the conclusion that we couldn't come up with this whole thing ourselves. So we can ask him. But, but the busyness of life, even, even the good things, even, even doing good things. I remember when our kids were little, I worked a minimum of 14 hours a day. And then you come home, and they want to jump on your lap. I'm like, oh, Lord, please get this kid Give me like 20 minutes to try to transition here. And then life just got busier. And I felt like a divorced dad in my own house. Because I would leave in the morning and they would be in bed. I would come home at night and they would be in bed. Just beyond this. I felt like a gerbil in a cage. And the thing about the gerbil, the stupid thing is content to just... And you want to go. Don't you realize you're not getting anywhere? And see, we'll observe that in a poor little innocent animal, but we don't observe it in our own lives. And we'll get trapped in that performance thing. That was one of the things that used to bother me the most when I was in business. People, when I would see people, I would say, hey, how's the business doing? What about me? What do you mean, how's the business doing? Nobody ever asked, how are you doing? It was always, hey, how's the business doing? So you, you get sucked into this identity of, I'm the business. I'm a restaurant. I'm a robot who cooks pasta vazol. And it would hurt me when people would do that because I was suffering behind the identity. I was dying on the inside. And it doesn't matter whether the business is successful or the business is a failure. You're still dying on the inside. Because if it's a failure, you're dying on the inside. If it's success, it's too much for you to do, and you're dying on the inside. I'll give you rest. And the enemy does not want us to have rest. And Jesus knows that, and he provides for us. 
Because the enemy wants to use our own emotions, our wants, our hurts, our desires to keep us in that little gerbil cage, (laughs) spinning our wheels. Every once in a while, we get to drink to the little thing. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Somebody should have took a picture. I want to see how stupid I looked when I did that. (laughs) So he wants us to know that he is our rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'm going to read from the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And religion will kill you because you can never satisfy religion. You can never do enough rules and regulations and rituals. I'll add, are you burned out on life? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I love the way that you'll recover your life because life in him is supposed to be very different than life in us. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace just flowing. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. So, I'll strengthen you. I'll provide for you. What was the next one? I'll always be with you. I'll always love you. I'll give you rest. Now, hear me out, because we've got to wrap this up very quickly. Brian, come up here so I won't take so long. You need to come up and host and do the announcements and stuff. Who do these promises belong to? Okay, who's us? We say us because we're in church. These promises belong to the believer, but listen to me. In other words, these promises belong to the one who's already a Christian, but they're available to everyone. They're available to everyone. I prayed at the beginning of the service that the Holy Spirit would impact the hearts of every person here. I'm sorry for the time limitations this morning, but I feel like we did what the Holy Spirit wanted us to do in the beginning of the service. I don't apologize for that. But I have to make this invitation very quick. Again, because we have 11 o'clock service and we have to clear not only the sanctuary, we have to clear the parking lot. Sometimes I wouldn't mind if there was an earthquake that leveled all the properties around us. Still <laughs> collecting insurance, and we'll be able to buy the property and have parking. I'm only kidding. But listen to me. If you're here this morning with us, and you've experienced everything that we've experienced today, in the worship, in the prayer, in the teaching, yet you've never come to the place where from your heart as an act of your own will that you have decided like Paul and become convinced that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that he's drawn your heart but you haven't yet responded. Would you please, this morning, at 10.23 and 47 seconds, 
would you please pray a prayer with us? We're all going to pray with you so that you're not standing out alone. We're all going to pray this prayer. And the prayer basically is making a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that, please? Amen. Amen. Pray this prayer with me. Father, Father, with all my heart, I believe believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God. I believe he died on the cross cross. to pay for my sins. I believe he raised again from the dead, and he's alive right now, and he hears my prayer. So Jesus, I declare my faith in you. I ask you right now before all these people, be my Lord, be my Savior, make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sins. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Now, I have to get off. Brian's got to come up here, but listen to me. Please, please, please listen to me. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time from your heart, don't just walk out the doors. Please come up to the front. There'll be people up here and tell them. Tell them. There'll be other people coming up for prayer and stuff like that, so you won't be alone. Tell them, I prayed that prayer today for the first time. I believe in Jesus. We're going to give you a Bible. We might give you some other stuff to help you now launch you onto this adventure and this journey. You'll never regret this. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming out this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Brian?